Michelle. You know, this was like back in the day. So, so I got the job, and um, I was like, "Yeah, I guess it called. I'll move out now." And I gave up my rent-stabilized, ginormous one-bedroom in the East Village. I don't know why I gave it up. Anyway, no I know, but um, I, you know, I didn't go back, so it was uh, fine. And uh, LA seems to have been all right. Awesome. So we're from CB4. I'm sure I know you um, do a lot of other things, and then we get. I'm gonna go right to the crowd. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm not even just going to just go right to the craft. Now, how did that work out for you? Because I've heard some stories on how that role was originally written for uh, a person, a white person. Yeah, and, uh, that was probably like three years after I moved out there. So I, you know, worked on different stuff here and there. But I don't know, if, do any of you guys know any actors? No, they're rarely working, is the truth. <laughs> so I had been working a bunch when I moved out, uh, really steady, and then all of a sudden things slowed down. And, and then my TV broke. And I only had three channels, but I was like, oh, I bought a TV. But something in my brain said, don't fix it. And um, I had always done tarot since I was like eight years old, actually. And I really was like, I'm just gonna delve into my, my esoteric studies and do things like that and kept copious notebooks or grimoires, whatever you call them, of my readings and things. And anyway, so cut to, and I'm not, this is a true story, cut to like nine months later, two dudes come over and they're like, it's just a wire, and they fixed my TV. <laughs> and, um, and then like two weeks later, the craft script landed in my lab. So what I, I'm telling that story because it's about when you're preparing for something you don't know that you're preparing for. And so, you, you don't always go, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to study this. You, you know, it's sometimes when you get to point A to B, it's A, Q, W, just to get to B. And I think some of you know what I mean. It's just sometimes it takes. So I think by taking that time to um, work on esoteric studies, which wasn't going to enhance my acting career, right? But by doing that, I was really ready for that role. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, you definitely, uh, I'd say it's groundbreaking. I know a lot of people talk about it and they talk about how it reshaped them and things like that. And it definitely, other, uh, like even some TV shows have like, hey, look, we can do that too. You oh know? my God, I got in an accidental Twitter fight with Holly Marie Combs from Charmed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like accidentally. Accidentally. No, no because listen, uh, she was um, not happy about the Charmed remake. And I get that. I heard tell there's some remake and I don't know. So I don't not get that, right? But she was really active about shitting on the new cast, which was all Latinas. And, and I just was like, hey, it's their turn, basically. You know, 
Because you don't see me on Twitter talking about some It has nothing to do with me. So I'm going to talk about my movie that I'm in, right? So anyway, I just was like, hey, Holly, maybe let the little brujas have their moment. And, you know, and then she was kind of like snarky. And I was like, you ripped off our theme song. So how about that? And our font. So why don't you stop talking about who's original? And my New York came out. <laughs> but she's a super sweet girl. And I was like, I'm sorry we got on a Twitter fight. But I'm always going to say, you know, you have to make room for the new and understand it doesn't affect you, right? Like, you might still watch the movie I was in. And even though... There's other movie witch stuff out now. So you have to just, I say, believe in yourself on that level. And uh, was it, how was the experience of making the movie? Um, you know what? It was super fun. <laughs> like, if you, I mean, it was as fun as you'd imagine, to be totally honest. Like, even more so. Um, because you have a, a trailer and, you know, sushi for lunch. <laughs> like, they treat you really well. And you get to go to the Sony store and you get with wow. shit. And so on that level, it was really, really fun. And I'd done a couple other movies. Um, but this was, you know, a role I was, I thought, boring to play. So I, I was really into it. I will say, now that I'm a grown-up, I, I do talk about in the book I had out last year and sometimes on Twitter, it was challenging because my agents had said, literally said to me, you can't act like these other girls. You don't hang out. You can't act like the white girls. You'll get fired for the same thing. And the truth is they weren't actually wrong, you know, but it was in that aspect challenging to be a black actress at that time. I also knew that um, when you were one of the forerunners, and I'm certainly not the first, there were plenty who came before me who paved the way for me, but the truth is, at that time, most teen movies were separate. We had black teen movies. You know what I'm saying, right? You shook your head. So there were black teen movies and white teen movies. This was one of the first that had, you know, a character in there who was just one of the girls. So um, that came along with some other things, like not being invited to the publicity junket because they didn't think black people were gonna go see the movie, so we just don't need her. And they would never do that today, right? They would never do that to someone no, today. No. Not today, so that was all kind of hard to parse because I was young, or pretending to be young. No, I was young. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, some of my castmates were like, well, it's because we're more famous than you. And I was like, maybe, but how you build up famous people? You invite them to the publicity junket and you give them press. So if you don't invite me to the MTV Movie Awards up there with the three other girls, and you don't invite me to the article, how do you build up? How do you build up your thing? So anyway, that's challenging, but it's also just part of being human, I think, right? Like even if your struggle out there isn't that race, you have a struggle. I know that. Each and every one of us has something we are walking through that is difficult, right? That happened to be mine, and it still is to this day, but I'm like, I don't give a shit. Look at me. I'm fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, like as far as um, uh, race in horror, uh, I see like the resurgence of uh, more, not even resurgence, more of a, uh, more of a magnifying glass a lot more independent black horror movies because you were in the Fugue State, correct? Oh, yeah. So there is this the horror noir series, right? documentary. If you haven't seen it, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called Horror Noir. Sometimes I'm like, oh, noir. It's called Horror Noir. noir. And it is on, um, I think you can find it on Amazon. Shutter. Yeah, Amazon. But Shudder. Yeah. 
And it's basically like a, it's, it sounds more dry than it is because it's very funny and entertaining actually, but it's sort of black people in horror. And it talks about a few things that um, are very educational and edifying, but it's also funny and entertaining. So, I, you know, there are things, I always talk about this one line. Thank you. He's like, here's another coffee, Rachel. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. But um, thank you so much. Uh, I always talk about this one line uh, that we talk about in Horror Noir. Huh, exactly. There's a movie, Blackula, which I'm wearing the t-shirt for. But uh, I think in the second one, or maybe this one, Blackula turns his friend into a vampire, and his friend is looking in the mirror. And his, and, and his friend goes, well, what is man if he cannot see his own reflection? So. That's an analogy when you think about it for whether you are Polish and you don't get to see, you know, uh, representations of your people, whether you are black and you don't get to see that on film. So they're using the horror analogy of a vampire doing it, but it's the same for us humans. Like, who are we if we don't get to see our reflection? So we talk about things like that, but in a very entertaining way. And there's also a, um, like a Twilight Zone anthology series that we did afterwards called Horror Noir. There's six episodes and I'm in the episode Fugue State, which was super fun um, because I love acting. And to be honest, once you're over like 35 in town, a big fun lead role, you know, they're not as easy to come by. So I really enjoyed doing this like two person play, which Tony Todd the one and only Tony Todd pops up in. Yeah, yeah, um, so it's, you know, just taking horror in new di directions, and we've all seen horror morph and change, and we all still, I still love a good slasher thing, but I also love uh, some of the more intellectual horror that we've started to see, too. I think there's room for all of it. Wow, that's awesome. Like, have you, I know you've done some about producing and um, writing, and then we're going to get to your book. Now, as far as uh, producing and writing, like, how do you um, how do you kind of uh, work that in with acting? Do you say, hey, I need to take some time off from acting, and maybe you know? I think write that, a I think bit? when you're an artist, everything is art, right? So it's not like I'm going to take time from off to do this. Blah, blah, blah. It's it's I'm here. What am I doing? Oh, I'm working on this TV thing. Oh, that TV thing's done. Nothing. Like I said, actors not often working, so you have to occupy your own time with something. So I was like, well, I'll write a book. I'm a creative person. I've always enjoyed writing. And I wrote that book myself. There was no ghostwriter. No, I'm really proud of that. Thank you, sir. No, I am because most actors use ghostwriter. You know, someone else who writes it for them. But I said, no, I'm an artist. I will write this book. And it, I thought it would take me six months. It took me a year and a half. Uh, but that's fine because that's how long the process took. And I think I'm working on scripts now, too, which is just a natural progression. But I just kind of see everything I do, whether literally I will take a walk and I will shoot video of it and you know edit it into a little uh, cinema verite of my day because that's art too, you know? That's pretty awesome, definitely an awesome way to look at it. It is. So you have to. So ultimately I'm trying to get a big camera package, by the way, and make my own film. Um, that's camera, cool. Yeah. Camera package is very expensive, apparently. Um, so I'm, you know, saving up for that and getting that together. And I like the idea of having my own package, by the way, because then I can shoot whenever I want. I can create with the people I want at any time. And uh, I'm not even a control freak, but I like that control. <laughs> <laughs> so about the book, it's uh, a truth, art, intuitive tarot, correct? Yes. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about that? 
you know, as far as a little bit of background on that. You said you were doing tarot since you were well, a wee person. Some of my friends' uh, parents' friends were into it, you know, when I was a kid. So I, somebody, I first got a deck at like eight years old. But I'd also, I talk about this in the book. I um, was, I think I'd seen in my parents' bookcase, they had uh, Nietzsche's uh, Beyond Good and Evil and Carl Jung's book, Man and His Symbols. And I would pick those out. I was taught to read very young at like four. So I'm not saying I was reading those books besides tiny words, but I would pull those two books out and they had pictures in them. And so cut to, I'm a little older and there's a tarot deck and I went, these images, look, they remind me of something. They remind me of that Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols book. And da 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 da. So kind of put the pieces together that tarot, and listen, some people have a really weird impression of tarot. They're like, oh, the devil. And I'm like, really? Because it's paper cards printed in China. I don't see how the devil. Uh, I, I don't, listen, a lot of the symbols on the cards are literally biblical. There's the Tower of Babel, there are angels, there are everything. I think it is in perfect alignment with Christ consciousness, if that's your bag or whatever it is. It's simply a way to hear your own thoughts better, to clear out your ego and actually hear. And if you are really into um, God and Christ, I think it's a way to clear out your bullshit so you can hear the message instead of what our ego wants to hear. That's why I talk about the Jungian psychology aspect of it. Now, we are all intuitive beings. You know, when we were cavemen, um, think about it, like that prickling gut intuition, that sense we get that something might be over there or I don't go down that alley. That's all, that's, that's intuition, right? So that's, I wrote the book as a way for people to learn to do their own cards and tap into their own intuition. And then beyond that, yes, you can really pick up six cents stuff, but, but the book isn't, is more about the beginning part of just how to get in touch and listen to your own voice. Because I don't know if you guys are like me where there's the other voice that's like, oh, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that negative voice. And so I will use the cards to allay some of that stuff, but also, and lastly on this, is um, you know we all we've all been or have that friend who calls us up in the middle of their panic and dumps all their stuff on us, right? And we've been that person too. So I love to use the cards to calm my ass down <laughs> before I bug my friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think it's just a kinder, more conscious way of being because. Otherwise, I'm asking them to live in the spin of my brain and the minutiae. Can you believe they did that? I can't believe they did that. I can't and, you know, the next, because the next day after we've calmed down, we're not actually going, I can't believe they did that. We're a little, we're, we can actually process it and think about it and have a conversation. But in the moment, it's a lot. And I think it's a lot to expect other people to take on when everyone has their own stuff. So when you were when you were shooting the crap, did you and and also having the background in tarot, did you feel you had a leg up on maybe uh, any of your co-stars? No, because for well, Farooz and I were the two people who were really into it, the subject matter. So I didn't think of it as a leg up. I just thought of like Farooz and I were the two who were going uh, to the Beltane Festival with the witches, <laughs> the witch consultant person that they had. Mm -hmm. So we involved ourselves with that. I don't think the other two girls, Neb and Robin, did. Um, I thought I had a leg up in terms of once the script landed in my lap. I was like, well. <laughs> Who's going to be a witch? It's going to be a witch. I'll be the switch. That I just thought intuitively was right for me. Oh, okay, cool. Now, when you and with the uh, in the movie, just to go back to the movie also, I noticed in the movie the uh, some of the more uh, 
racial aspects. Like your your uh, your art, if you call it that, you know, was more of uh, having to deal with a person who was not too happy to be in the school. Which Christine Taylor is like yeah, the Christine nicest Taylor. girl yeah. by the way, in the world. Um, I think the thing that gets lost in that is what's interesting is because I even looked at it this way. I was like, huh, Bonnie's burned. She was suicidal. She's poor and being abused at home. What's my problem? That I'm black. Because that's not a problem to me. <laughs> Is it a problem to you? Like, that was actually a little confusing for me at the time, to be honest. But since then, I've thought to myself, no, it's really valid, right? Because the racism storyline is still relevant in today's world. So I, the part I, I think that gets lost is, it's, it's racism and all that, but it's also bullying, right? I'm being bullied. That's what it is. It's not that my problem is black. It's that I'm being bullied by the blonde girl. So... That wasn't discussed in the 90s, the bullying aspect. It was like, she's black! And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we know that. Yeah. So, okay, so that's good. That's always wondered that, how, if that was... Well, I think it would have been nicer. Like, I shot scenes with my parents, but they were cut. Everyone else's parents in the movie, but mine were cut, you know? So, things like that, I think, affected. But at that time, again, very different than now, and... Like, I remember them saying, well, we're not going to put this movie in a black cinema. You know, it's not going to go in, in the hood in Chicago. No, so in Chicago, right? that's why we're not going to send you on the junket. And that's why we're not. Like, I think they didn't understand that my appeal wasn't only people who look like me. You know, I mean, I find all sorts of things interesting, not just things identical to me. Right. That has changed now. And um, again, I think if you made the movie today, they would probably have a Oh, they did, right? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, through the 90s, and we had, like you said, the teen movies were more of like the boys in the hood. More of the, yeah, our black movies the, were very boys. separate. Although, here, I, I, told him, I told him I wasn't going to talk about the sequel because I'm not in it. But I will I, give, I cried. No, I will give you guys some insider tip. Part of why I don't talk about it is they spoke with us at, at length. We were supposed to, they were going to have us in it. And then they said, we don't think the public wants to see you guys with kids and grown-ups and I was like I don't know I think you're wrong about that and I think they know that now too and the other thing is I heard the girl who was basically doing my role really sweet actress I'm sure but I, you know she said about my character well I'm so glad that I wasn't saddled with the racism storyline like I and then here's what I know like honey I had a storyline at least <laughs> So I just thought, like, I didn't like the way they handled us, to be honest, with that movie. I thought they could have been more respectful with our characters. That said, I like that the legacy of the movie is still interesting to people. But I love that people still like the OG movie. Of course. Yeah, I mean, people here have been talking about it all weekend. <laughs> so I definitely know that. I know when I revisited it, I was like, yeah, this movie is really solid. It's not... Other than that, we don't have cell phones, right? <laughs> but I, the reason I think the movie is kind of cool, and I did, it's not that I didn't for a long time, but I was like, yeah, whatever, it's a movie. Because, you know, it's just a movie I was in. But I do think it really captures the angst of the 90s. And me, I think everybody was probably younger than me, but some of you remember the 90s, and it was a gritty, it was probably the last of the gritty times. Okay. In, in in pop culture, I mean, it got right. very, you know, smoothed out and everybody's perfect, or plastic surgery, but the 90s was just the last of we are dirty, we are grungy, and we are mean sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else, it's, it's 
more sensitive though. Yeah, definitely. And a great soundtrack. Like yeah, that was a good soundtrack. Yeah, it really, really good. I think it captured Gen X. That's what oh, I yeah, think. Oh yeah, Gen X yeah. moment. That um, is definitely. If you talk about a '90s movie, if you get a list of '90s movies, you know, Craft will definitely be in there. I think you guys, you know, knocked it out of the park with that and that with the style and everything. Uh, and I just speaking of the Shutter Horror and Noir documentary, I just um, was a talking talking head on another one for Shutter. Um, Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal and American Gods and Star Trek, he's just amazing producers producing it, and he's looking at um, horror through the LGBTQ plus lens and the reflection of that. And so I think it's sort of interesting that we're getting to explore all of these different things. You know, um, that horror is not just you know teenagers running in the woods and. Getting slashed and that's but it's right? not, and usually it's a reflection of what's going on in society. Actually, like he asked me about the cat people. Did anyone see Cat People that movie? I was like, no. It's a, there's an original from the '40s, and then there's a remake um, with Natasha Kinski from the '80s. Anyway, so he so so it's a very sexual movie, right? And it's the women are very strong. And I and I said to him, well, my guess is that the original came up after World War II, a time when men were away, and people were doing things back home, <laughs> LGBTQ-wise and otherwise, but the women were rosy riveting and being independent, so that movie, Cop People, is a response, partially, to what the men came back to, right? So I like discussing those kind of things, because we like the, just the shock of pure horror, but when we also think about where and why, it's coming from and why that movie is um, has this underlying theme to it, you know. Okay. So with the uh, with being a you mentioned being a talking head and these dots for horror, is that um, uh, that's something you enjoy? Like definitely giving your take because you're definitely giving your take on a lot of things. Well, listen, ever since I was a little kid, all I ever heard was you're an opinionated little thing, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'm like I'm. Devin, uh, yes, but sure, I don't mind doing that because I think um, I think I've traveled a lot. I think I've experienced a lot. I've shot a lot of movies. I think I also think there's a point where I hit where it's like I'm a grown up. No one can tell me I don't know what I'm talking about anymore because I'm an actual grown up. <laughs> so those kinds of things are fun. Yeah, it's great to see you on. You know, like I said, it was great to see you with Tony Todd and Fugue State. Yeah. Great to see you. You know, talking about horror with like. David, people like that, yeah. you know, in, in these movies, and uh, in the documentary. And again, she mentioned hard noir. I second that, please. You definitely should check it out. It's, it's really, really awesome. It is. So, can you tell us what you're working on right now? Um, well, right now I'm actually working on another book. The next one is um, not terror. It's for you know um, highly sensitive people, empaths. I'm sure some of you in here would consider yourself highly sensitive and or empath is the word everyone's using now it's always been around that word but it's a little overused on social media frankly <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a little bit in the book too but i think there are a lot of people out there who especially when they were younger didn't realize they were feeling the emotions of other people around that it wasn't just your own but it was really confusing and overwhelming so we're going to talk a little bit about that in the book but also just how to harness that into kind of your own superpower. Um, because I think I am super sensitive. And it can either be, you know, kind of a curse, as some of us know. And have you noticed that there's a lot of people on social media using victim as personality, right? That's 
So we're going to talk about that a little bit because I get it. We've all been through a lot, but I don't necessarily let the terrible things right define me forever. I use them to propel me, hopefully, forward. And I want, I want like millennials and younger to know, like that's not your personality. That's something that's happened to you. So we're going to kind of talk about that in the book too. And writing scripts. Um, I'm saying, and like I said, saving up to buy my camera package so I can shoot my own stuff. And I've written some scripts. So you know, just art, art in general. Does anyone have any questions? I feel like I've fucking babbled on forever. Uh, I think everybody's learning, but if, uh, yeah, we'll take a couple of questions. Um, if anybody has a question. Because now you know I'm a nerd. <laughs> no questions? Nothing? Come on. Come on. You, you got, got a question. Have a question. No, you <laughs> do you have a tarot that resonates with you more than others? Uh, you know what? I use different ones for different moods. Okay. To be honest, like I have um, the Thos, Thoth, yeah. Thoth, which is harder to read than people think because there's very layered right and um but it can be really brutal like the seven of pentacles on it says failure <laughs> like i'm not always in the mood for that shit. so uh, my deck is gentler you know i wanted it no i wanted it to feel like a hug to like a blanket that's comfortable to be honest because sometimes i need that a blanket of that so i will use a deck depending on my mood like i have a deck from the 90s that's an egyptian deck that a lot of guys, they see it, they go, oh, it's so cheesy. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I want. I, but I'm saying that for a reason, because I want people to remember that. I don't, I don't care. Like, you don't have to say that to people, but what really does, if someone's like, I don't like your sneakers, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> what the fuck do I care? You're talking about yourself. You're not even talking about my sneakers. You don't like my, that's about you. So kind of just learning not to take things personally is part of why I use tarot, is part of why I do all this stuff, and part of, I think, being a grown-up, because, you know, otherwise your skin's on fire all the time when you take things personally. So thank you for your question. So, do you do tarot? Yeah, not for divination, more of just a study of the different symbology. It's, just, it's amazing how different decks will cover the, the different symbols in, in different ways, and, and just when you said the word esoteric, it's only everything about the fact that you're looking more at the meaning of, of what the cards are trying to do. Well, yeah, because Joseph Campbell talks about the hero's journey, uh, the power of myth and the hero's journey and all that, but basically, um, you can break down the movie Star Wars, the original one, and Luke's <laughs> yeah. journey, they break it down online, you can find it, but someone also broke down Pee Wee Herman's Great Adventure yeah. and used tarot oh. cards and matched oh. it up. Because you can go through your own life and go, here's where I was the fool. Who's not a fool? It's the fool in the sense of like, just remember like in, in, in ancient courts, the fool had the king's ear, you know, and the fool survived where most people were killed. So it's not about being a fool. It's, you know, uh, a new taking a risk and a new leap. And, th and we've all been there. Even though we're not new babies, we're still taking new risks every day, right? Or, and the way that I read, by the way, in my books, I'm, if, for those of you who are familiar, people read reversals, upside down cards. I don't, I leave the card upright, and then I determine whether it's in high vibe or low vibe, because each card has a good side and a bad side. Even the terrible cards, uh, the tower is meaning a quick change. You could get a job tomorrow and leave tomorrow, right? It's usually terrible, though. It's not usually that. It's usually something heavier, but each card is a high and a low, and I look at it that way, because I just, I try to stay in high vibe. I slip into low vibe. I'm human, but I try to stay in high vibe, and I think that's why when people are like, you look good for your old age, and I'm like, I don't even think it's the looks, it's more just an energy thing, right? So. Can I give uh, two quick lightning rounds? 
I'm going to mention a character. Oi. And you just, <laughs> just to, to wrap it up. Yes. I'd be remiss. I'd hate myself. I didn't ask. Okay, Mary Jane. Super fun. I mean, <laughs> I can go anywhere in the world and still be offered to join, is the truth. <laughs> Mary Jane! And I'm like, we're in Europe. What's happening? <laughs> awesome. And uh, one of my favorite characters, Mona. Oh, I really love, I don't know if any of you saw, saw my sitcom. It's showing on Netflix right now, too. I, I did it in the earlier aughts. Um, called Half and Half, and it's really fun. I think I booked that job, kind of like the craft, because I, um, I have a younger sister who's uh, high yellow who got all the attention. I have a downstairs neighbor who had a crush on me. I had all these things in common with that character. So, so the truth is, I barely worked on it. I was like, I'm not going to overdo it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to overdo the comedy, which is sometimes you have to not overdo. For those of you who are actors, if you rehearse too much, you can almost kill the comedy. So I barely looked at it, and you know, I had to audition five times, but I booked it. No, those are definitely one of the, that should really be commute chops on half and half. Again, I recommend it. It's a girl's great. Well, the thing I liked about it is the char character's a weirdo. You yeah. know, she's just a weirdo, which is like a holdover from the craft. We are the weirdos, right? Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> it. Well, does anybody else have any other questions before we wrap up? Because I definitely want to say it's been a great, have a great conversation with Rachel True. Y'all, yeah, sir, one more. <laughs> Let me answer this question. Oh, great. Go. Yeah. Awesome. So this, this um, ambition you have for later on for doing your own film, have you given any idea to what, what kind of style or... Oh, I have a couple film? different ideas. I'll probably, I might start with a short because, you know, here's the thing I understand. I would probably make many mistakes on my first yeah. outing, right, as a director. So my thing is um, don't do your highest stake thing first. <laughs> Learn, make your mistakes, and then put all the money into the da, da, da once you've learned. So probably a horror thing as well because I love horror too and it's inexpensive to shoot honestly that's you know a lot of horror things you can kind of do on one location or so hopefully but yeah no please look out for that um, and then lastly just thank you so much all for showing up and for any of you who are interested um, he got a, I have um, some craft scripts and it's actually like the script I use like it has my notes in it <laughs> which is embarrassing for me acting wise but uh, we have scripts at the table but otherwise just come by and say hi if you want and again thank you so much for showing up thanks again <laughs>